you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like my Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Big action fake, left side throw, touchdown, Kansas City! Garoppolo going to hand off to Moster to cut back, run, 10-5, touchdown! San Francisco, Raheem Moster. Mahomes moving to his left laterally, chased, holding it, and gets out of bounds and up the sideline. He's not out of bounds yet. He's at the 10, inside the 10, he dives for the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Here's Garoppolo, going to fake and boot left. He has Richie James Jr. there. Going to throw a deep Got shot. It. Wide open, George Kittle. 20, 10, 5. He is back. Touchdown, San Francisco. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by DiGiorno. Stock up on DiGiorno Pizza for the big game. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm great, DJ. Like, I, I think this is 
a great opportunity to kind of pause right before the Super Bowl to do what we would do if we were working for a team. And that is just to kind of examine the two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl and to talk about how they were constructed, break down their franchise quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, see how they built them, whether it's through the draft, free agency, or through trades, look at the GMs, their paths to their jobs, and then really look at their coaches and the style of play that these teams employ. Uh, It's a fascinating discussion that we are about to have just on, look, the hows and whys of why the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs are playing in Super Bowl 54. No doubt. And um, I say we just jump in right now. And again, this is something Bucky mentioned. Every team in the league does this, um, studying the teams that get in that final four and that, that final two and trying to find out uh, the secret sauce, so to speak. So that's what we're going to do on today's episode. Uh, I figure we could start off here talking about the two quarterbacks for these teams and, and how they were acquired and, and what took place um, in the thought process to bring them uh, to their team. So let's start off here. Uh, the first one here with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and that started with a big draft day trade in 2017. The Kansas City Chiefs no longer have a first-round pick. Wow. They just traded it along with the 91st overall pick to move up 17 spots. With the 10th pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select Patrick Mahomes, the second quarterback, Texas Tech. Well, there you go, Buck. The, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs saw what they liked in Patrick Mahomes. They made the move all the way up uh, to the 10th overall pick to select Patrick Mahomes. And we've talked about this before, uh, but your background having been around Coach Reed, uh, I've been around Coach Reed with the Philadelphia Eagles. This has to be that they saw the next Brett Favre, and that's why they went up and got him. It had all. It, it was all about the Brett Favre um, comparison and the similarities. And like, it, if anybody has a chance to see some of the stories that are floating out there uh, on the internet about Brett Veach and how um, he basically applauded. Um, and, and followed Pat Mahomes and was sent videos and all that other stuff. There was a fascination in that building about Pat Mahomes, and you could tell that that fascination was real based on what they gave up. Uh, in trading to get the 10th overall pick, they traded away their own first-round pick, 27th overall, a third-round pick, and then another first-round pick the following year to get their franchise quarterback. And you have to say, two years in, and it looks really good that it's worked out. That first year he sat out, the second year he gets MVP, the third year they're in the Super Bowl. So how can you not like that, that trade? I think the bigger thing is not just the player acquisition, it's the player development. The fact that they had Alex Smith in that yep. year, um, when you talk to people in the building, Andy Reid just let Patrick Mahomes on scout team, man, throw it all over the yard. And then when they came back that following offseason – in OTAs and mini camps or whatever, he continued to allow him to throw it all over the yard and try and figure out what he does well and what he needs some work on. And then as they began to whittle his game down, they began to kind of hone it in and work on the decision-making, they were able to really get the best of both worlds. A gunslinger with unique talents and playmaking ability who has also become a very solid decision-maker. So... He not only can make you right as a play caller when you call the bad play because his talent is immense and he can just make things happen kind of like a magician that can pull rabbits out of the hat. He is also managing the game at a high level. That is why the last two years we've seen the Kansas City Chiefs advance to the championship game, lose in overtime, and then make it to the Super Bowl behind a quarterback that we're talking about being maybe one of the best that we've ever seen at the position. 
and you talk about the value of the quarterback position overall. Think about this. When you, I went back and, and Nabil and uh, Bart did a good job of looking this up for us here. Um, the trade the Bills made, right? So they end up getting the uh, uh, they drop back to the 27th pick in that year. They get a third round pick that year and they get the Chiefs first round pick in the 2018 draft. So this is what they ended up with. They ended up with Tredavious White. All right, all pro corner who's mm-hmm. been phenomenal for them. Uh, that's who they got with the twenty seventh pick. They end up moving these uh, picks around a little bit here, but this is basically the haul they ended up with, according to uh, some of the trades that they made with those picks. Zay Jones receiver did not work out. Okay, cross him off the list. They got Deion Dawkins. Deion Dawkins, you know, some of that capital used to, to move up and acquire Deion Dawkins in the draft, who is one of the better young left tackles in the NFL. So you've got all pro corner, one mm-hmm. of the better young left tackles in the NFL. And then the first round in 2018, they used that pick and traded up and got Tremaine Edmonds, who you could make a case is the most exciting young inside linebacker in the National Football League with his rare size, length, explosiveness. So all pro corner, stud young left tackle, and a potentially all pro middle linebacker. And, and then they end up getting Josh Allen, their quarterback, who's, who's taken them to the postseason, is a very good player. If you took all that into account, Buck, and I gave you the option, all those great players, or you could have Patrick Mahomes, what would you do? <laughs> I'm sticking with Patrick Mahomes because I got a guy that is the MVP <laughs> that's player. Right. We're going to that's the Super Bowl. Like, I, that, that's what's that. crazy. You can't I, overpay. You can't overpay for the quarterback if you pick the right quarterback. And, I mean, look, we're, we're talking about – the Buffalo Bills got some franchise players for them. They got their quarterback in Josh Allen. They used some of the remnants to get that. They then have Tredavis White. You talk about all-pro corner, a young, dynamic offensive tackle, and then a playmaker in the middle of their defense in Tremaine Edmonds. You can't fault them for making that, that trade. They have found out. I mean, they've discovered a way to really build up their team. However, on the other side, Kansas City identified the quarterback that they believe would be their QB1 for the next decade, and you can't knock them for having an MVP candidate and a transcendent player at the position. This is a win-win for both teams. I'm just saying the Kansas City Chiefs are just winning a little bit more based on how Mahomes has turned out. No doubt. Uh, when we flip this over to the uh, 49ers, uh, we've talked about Garoppolo and, and the trade that they made there. A little bit of a gamble, right, because it was a limited uh, limited opportunity to see um, what he could do there with the New England Patriots. But I think they found somebody that played a very clean, efficient brand of football, and they knew what he could do, what he couldn't do, even more importantly, Buck, and crafted the team around him accordingly. Yeah, I, th- I think that has been really, really big. And so much of what we've talked about in the podcast of late, like for years we've talked about this, fit in scheme. How does the player or prospect that you get, how does he fit into your scheme? And how do you tailor your scheme to elevate his talents? Well, the San Francisco 49ers uh, got Jimmy Garoppolo on a nice deal from the New England Patriots. They put him immediately onto the field after some injuries kind of prompted them to do so. He immediately rattles off a series of wins that give you confidence. The next season they come back, continue to build that offense they continue to do what Kyle Shanahan has always done outside zone outside zone play action it complements Jimmy Garoppolo is terrific in that that system and I think when we go all the way back and look I first laid my eyes on Jimmy Garoppolo at the East West Shrine game when he was coming out ball came out quickly did a good job getting to the playmakers kind of stood out didn't know how good he was gonna be got an opportunity to go to the senior bowl um stands up this guy kind of makes his way to the second round with the New England Patriots. And then when you got a chance to see him in the preseason for the Patriots, 
It's kind of like the same deal. I kind of, kind of, he's kind of like a John Stockton to me in terms of uh, a point guard on the basketball floor. Just does a really good job of just getting the ball to the playmakers, doesn't necessarily mess around, but also has enough athleticism to do some of the new school RPO stuff and run around stuff that you want to see with your quarterbacks. So it's a nice fit for the 49ers. And I know there have been games where he hasn't had a lot of pass attempts because the running game has been so dominant, but we've seen – in stretches, he can play at a high level. I'm not ready to pro- proclaim him a tier one quarterback like I would proclaim Pat Mahomes, but in the 49ers system, he definitely plays like a tier one quarterback based on how they do everything around him. I, I want to roll this soundbite here in just a second because this is a um, this is a moment mm-hmm. for this 49ers team. We're talking about team building, and this moment benefited the offense and the defense and I believe is a key reason why they're in this Super Bowl. It's because of what happened right here. It is in fact a torn ACL that is knee, the knee injury he sustained while cutting instead of going out of bounds was something that will rob him of the balance of the 2018 season. So Buck, that, that is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo tearing his ACL. Now, now think about this. We, we just talked about Patrick Mahomes and having a year to sit and learn um, behind an Alex Smith. This injury provided Jimmy Garoppolo, even though a disappointment and missed the majority of that season, but allowed him to sit and learn this Shanahan system without having to be out there on the field, but to really, really get comfortable with it and really become a master of it. Um, And then when he was reinserted into the lineup, when he was healthy, I think that benefited him in in the long run. The other thing it did, obviously, without Jimmy Garoppolo, they lost a ton of games, ended up putting them up there in position to get somebody like a Nick Bosa, who had a major, major impact on the defensive side of the ball. So, um, we, we've talked about this before. Is it better for these young quarterbacks to play or sit? Even though he was a little bit older, a young veteran, I would say, I do think that time off, uh, getting a chance to sit and watch and learn, benefited Jimmy Garoppolo in this system. It absolutely benefited him. I think it benefited him not only uh, like seeing Tom run the system and kind of learning those things, but also hearing the messages from Bill Belichick uh, every day. And then coming back and then coming over to the 49ers, learning Kyle Shanahan's system. So, what Jimmy Garoppolo got was an opportunity to really do what we all want all young quarterbacks to do, to slowly uh, assimilate into the starting position, to slowly understand how to play the game, how to understand the system that you're being asked to play in, how to understand the defenses and how they attack. So when you do get your opportunity to play, you can kind of play in attack mode. And I think what we have seen from Jimmy Garoppolo is he's been able to do that. Now, I, I can give Cal Shanahan a ton of credit for the calls that he makes and how he designs offense and how he creates these shots within a game. But Jimmy Garoppolo has cashed in on those opportunities. And we've seen in two-minute situations where the coach is really kind of put to the side and the player has to make the plays, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo win in those situations. So if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, if you're an official, you feel good about who you have in place as your franchise quarterback. No doubt. Uh, And when we look at these two rosters, these 53-man rosters, uh, how they were made up, you look at the draft The 49ers, uh, 21 players from the draft. The Chiefs, 17 of those players from the draft. Uh, Free agency, 27 for the Niners, 26 for the Chiefs. So very similar there. This is the big difference. 49ers, we've talked about the trade for Garoppolo, but five uh, players acquired via trade or waivers. The Chiefs, 10. So the Chiefs have been very active in the trade market, uh, trying to go out, find existing veteran players that that fit them and bring them in. Um, And it's worked out quite well. Uh, I'm going to get to one of those trades in just a 
second. But a player that they drafted, um, who we talk about this team being a track team, the reason uh, for that more than any other is because they have the fastest player in the NFL, and that is the Cheetah and Tyreek Hill. I went back and found this little nugget. This is, uh, this is our buddy Lance Zerline talking about him after he was selected in the fifth round of the 2016 draft. This guy has blazing speed. Is I a, say blazing, like oh, we're talking. He's like, he's he's going to be. He's a world class two twenty. I think a two hundred meter guy. Got it. Who has speed all day? Well, you heard Lance talking about it right there, Buck. I mean, look, if if not for the off the field stuff, Tyreek Hill's a second round pick mm-hmm. uh, at worst. Um, you know, everybody knew about his special ability, his special talent. Um, the Chiefs took a little bit of a chance there, and and um, you have to you have to admit, man, what the uh, the risk that they took from a football standpoint has definitely paid off. Yeah, it definitely has paid off. And I, I, I look all of the stuff that was in his background. It, it did make you kind of proceed with caution when taking the player. Uh, they rolled the dice, and it, it's really come up big for them. I think the bigger thing is like once we put that to the side, I think it was a bit of a gamble, even with him being a wide receiver, because when you look at Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is really built like a running back. Um, when he first got his opportunity to make plays, obviously he was a Pro Bowl player as a punt returner. When he finally got a chance to kind of ascend and move up to a prominent wide receiver role, he wasn't necessarily a terrific route runner, but what he had was outstanding speed and explosiveness. Early in his career, I believe Andy Reid kind of used him like he used to use Deshaun Jackson in Philadelphia. Vertical plays, let him touch it on reverses, let him get it on the move, and he ran away from the defense. I think to everyone's surprise, He's developed and become a more complete receiver in terms of running routes, making plays, catching the ball in traffic, and doing those things. And as we talk about this Kansas City Chiefs team becoming more of a track team on the perimeter, I just believe Tyreek Hill is in a perfect position to do what he does. I can't guarantee that he would be the same kind of impactful player for other teams. I just believe it's a unique situation where you have a masterful play caller, play designer in Andy Reid, a generational talent at quarterback. I mean, even though we saw Tyreek Hill make plays with uh, Alex Smith. And then uh, a supporting cast around Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and some of the other players, Nicole Hardman and some of the others that get onto the field, where – If you don't double-team him and he gets one-on-one opportunities, he absolutely can kill you as a big-time playmaker. It's just a very, very unique situation, maybe the perfect storm in Arrowhead Stadium. We've talked about, you know, kind of the philosophy we would have if we got back into this thing, and I've long said that I – I am a member of the offensive line club, meaning mm-hmm. I think every draft, one of your first three picks should be an offensive lineman. And yeah. you need to do that every single year. One mm-hmm. of you, pick in the first round. If you get a couple third round picks, maybe it's your fourth pick. But you need to have at least one top three round offensive lineman added to your group every single year to make sure you always have a fresh supply there because depth is going to be an issue. And it's hard to be a bad team with a good offensive line. It's hard to be a good team with a bad offensive line. So I believe in investing in that. One thing I would add with the way the game is played right now, Buck, I don't care when it is. It could be your seventh round pick. But you, are, I would say we are going to add one dynamic, explosive offensive player in every single draft. Meaning, you know, we get a route runner, a pure route runner here or there, but at some point in time, one of our picks is going to be an explosive playmaker. That could be running back, tight end, receiver, whatever, but we are going to add that explosive element. And when you look at the Chiefs and what they've done, They've been able to do that. You, you see Miko Hardman from this last draft. Obviously, we've talked about Tyreek Hill. Um, you talk about free agency going out with Sammy Watkins. Like They have continued every year to infuse more speed, more athleticism into this offense. They absolutely have speed. And I, I like your idea, DJ, in terms of adding, like building up the fortress up front of the quarterback, but then adding a weapon each year. 
Um, having sat with uh, Ron Wolf and having watched it as a player and then talked to him later as a scout and obviously everyone that I worked for early in my career descended from that Ron Wolf tree, you just can't have enough explosive players. And what you're trying to do is like, yes, you're building a team while also ex- assembling premier talent. And Ron Wolf would tell you that he learned from Al Davis. Having played in Oakland uh, for Mr. Davis, it was all about speed and explosiveness and creating big plays. Well, when you have a big play offense, an offense that can score from anywhere on the field, it changes how defenses have to defend your quarterback, your team, your offensive unit. I just believe if you have enough of those guys that you can throw out there, good things are going to happen on offense. No doubt. Uh, we, we talked about the trades, 10 trades that the Chiefs have made. Uh, maybe none bigger than this one right here. We talk about player trades, uh, the acquisition of Frank Clark. They got rid of D Ford and then traded for Frank Clark. You say, well, what's going on there? D Ford, in their minds, more of a situational pass rusher. Frank Clark, more of a complete player that can give you stuff down in and down out. That's why the Chiefs make this move to bring in Frank Clark and try and get the contract done. Well, Buck, that was a move. They really kind of swapped out. It's ironic they're going to see D. Ford in the Super Bowl playing for the 49ers, but they really swapped out D. Ford and his money, what they would have had to pay him, uh, and ended up using that to uh, to get Frank Clark there uh, from the Seattle Seahawks. So out goes D. Ford, in goes Frank Clark. Uh, I think you could say it's worked out well for both these teams. It has worked out well. We'll start with the Frank Clark angle first. And Frank Clark, uh, what the Kansas City Chiefs got, in my estimation, they probably got a more complete player, a guy who high-energy guy, a guy that is very, very disruptive, obviously, as a pass rusher. But I think he gives you a little more on the run game. And you hear about it. I believe the defense kind of carries some of the swagger that he infuses and also some of the uh, energy and swagger that Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, infuses in this unit. This is a different unit. And even though they've had their struggles early in the year and they play better down the stretch, this is a unit that believes that they can get these selective stops. We don't expect the Kansas City Chiefs to be a team that can necessarily shut you out. They just need to get two or three stops a game because their offense is really an arena ball offense. So they're going to score uh, 35 to 40 points. They just need to get the ball back to Pat Mahomes a couple times to really allow them to create that separation. I think for the 49ers, what the trade with D Ford did, it allowed them to continue to stockpile first-round talent on their defensive front. Uh, you think about Bosa and Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas, adding D Ford kind of gave them a pure pass rusher off the edge to go with Nick Bosa. And I'm going to say this. I know Nick Bosa was drafted high, but I'm going to raise my hand and say that I still had some concerns about how good he would be at the next level. And he has surpassed all expectations because he's been terrific. But pairing him with a D Ford, who is also kind of that, that speed pass rusher that we like to have at least one of our guys that can do that, I mean, it's kind of like a, a, a terrific defensive front line for the 49ers and they have kind of all of the pieces that you would want to assemble uh on an ideal defensive front no doubt um and and one other thing on the on the Chiefs going back to them talking about those trades buck the secondary when you go get a Kendall Fuller and Chavarius Ward Mm -hmm. um two very good trades for them two players there in the back end again to me I think the common theme here when we look at how these teams were built 
is that they understand what works for them, what plays for them, what they want, and they're able to craft that team around that. We talk about the track team. We talk about the, the back end for the Chiefs, getting guys with tremendous ball skills because you're going to be playing with the lead because of that offense. Get guys that can mm-hmm. play the football. Uh, Tyron Matthew obviously comes into the mix there and has, uh, has really become the leader of that football team on the back end. A brilliant, brilliant fit there. Um, we go to the uh, the 49ers. We talk about that defensive front. That's where the, the this team is really built around two things. I would say Kyle Shanahan's scheme offensively and the personnel they have on the defensive line. And uh, and the biggest piece of that defensive line was their new addition this last year in Nick Bosa. With the second pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Nick Bosa. Defensive end, Ohio State. So, Buck, I mean, we've already touched on it, but that was uh, a little bit of luck involved there, right? You know, unfortunately, your quarterback gets hurt, but then it puts you in a position to get somebody in a BOSA. And you also have to think about the fact that it was the right move in hindsight, but surprised us when, when we learned that the uh, Arizona Cardinals were going to go back-to-back quarterbacks, uh, taking Kyler Murray after having already taken Josh Rosen. If they stick with Josh Rosen, then they take Nick BOSA, um, and the 49ers really would have lost out. So it, it benefited them uh, that the team inside their division went quarterback back-to-back years yeah surprising pick uh by the Arizona Cardinals at that time they had just expended a, a top pick on Josh Rosen we thought Josh Rosen was going to be the quarterback of the future for their coaching change Cliff Kingsbury Kyler Murray it just worked that allowed them to get maybe the best player in the draft at the number two overall pick and it kind of changed what their defensive front looked like and you talked about this team being built on Kyle Shanahan's run game and that scheme and a dominant defense. Well, the one thing that we know over the history of the league, those two things typically put you in a position to get close to getting to the Super Bowl. And so dominant run game, uh, a disruptive defense, if you sprinkle in a quarterback in there like they have in Jimmy Garoppolo, that is the recipe to get into the Final Four. And more times than not, if you get enough cuts at, at, at the plate, you're going to eventually knock one out. They have certainly knocked it out of the park with their combination with the run game defense and now the quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, let's get to these uh, these general managers here. Brett Veach um, for the uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, somebody that I worked with there with the uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Brett is a great guy, high high energy, mm-hmm. um, very passionate about what he does. Somebody that had started out kind of as, as Coach Reed's you know, kind of coaching intern, really, was mm-hmm. just kind of there for him. Anything that Coach Reed needed, uh, that was Brett. And he took care of him. And I think that relationship between the two was big. And I also think just having been around Coach this entire time during his career, he knows exactly what they're looking for in their scheme, what plays for them, what personality traits they like. Um, you know, Coach Reed, I've told this story before, used to always say, every player that you draft or sign does one of two things. They bring energy to your building or they suck energy from your mm-hmm. building. And they've done a good job. You look at guys like the Honey Badger. Uh, look at Pat Mahomes and his energy that he brings. Um, even you know bringing over Shady McCoy to get him back plugged in again, even though he's not what he was. They've got a lot of guys with a lot of energy and a lot of spark. Kelsey, his personality. Think about how much energy he brings. Um, so they know what they're looking for. And I think Brett Veach in this role, uh, helping Andy Reid through this process, I think that relationship is very important. Yeah, I think it is very important. I think I think it's great, uh, and we're seeing a, a, a shift in the way that 
teams are building their front offices. Uh, and it's, it's always cyclical. It used to be uh, the general manager would get in place and then you were hired the coach and they were kind of getting lockstep. We're seeing more teams now have the coach that then finds the personnel man they did desire so they can kind of work together. I think the, the beauty of what the Kansas City Chiefs have done with Brett Veach and Andy Reid is because Veach served as maybe the assistant to Andy Reid, he really knows what he wants. They are kind of in unison and in lockstep in terms of players, style of play, what fit, what works, what kind of guys uh, would be ideal Chiefs. And I think we have seen them kind of do it now. I will give John Dorsey a tip of the cap because he did a lot of kind of like the foundation stuff for Andy Reid and this team. But Brett Veach has taken it to another level. And it's really the benefit of guys being able to have the steady dialogue, guys having the kind of trust and commitment and the accountability to go back and forth. Um, it's just been a perfect marriage for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Brett Veach has done a great job of quickly climbing up, climbing up the tree, but really giving Andy Reid exactly what he wants to kind of build the team that he, he envisions uh, playing and dominating in the AFC. No doubt. I think it's a very good relationship there. And we flip over to John Lynch and the 49ers. I want to roll a couple bites here because uh, one is an example of John Lynch and his intelligence as a player. Uh, the second one's going to go into his uh, taking over as the new general manager of the 49ers. So let's roll those clips. Don't let him fool you with his pumps. We'll get to our landmarks. Dexter! Blitz threatened. First down 10. From the 45, Gannon pump fake, looking to his right, throwing to his right, intercepted, Dexter Jackson to the 40, to the 35, to the 50, he's to the 45. Where you are, Dex Jackson has two. Dexter, Dexter, I told you, baby, I told you, was it Slug OC? Dexter. Told him right before the snap, it's Slug OC. Cole Wright coming at you from the NFL Network newsroom with breaking news. Former safety and Stanford alum John Lynch has been named as the new general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. And with that being said, let's now turn our attention to rap sheet Ian Rappaport. Now, Ian, word on the street is that his deal of the six-year variety. What more can you tell us about this? Yeah, the 49ers had two second interviews this week with general manager candidates Terry Donahue of the Arizona Cardinals and George Payton from the Minnesota Vikings. But there was always a third candidate, a mystery candidate, who would only agree to take part in the interview process if his name remained completely secret. And we now know that candidate was John Lynch, the yep. former Broncos great, and of course the Fox analyst who has spent a lot of time over the last week trying to get out of his Fox deal, several complications with that. Out of nowhere, John Lynch expected to be named the 49ers general manager. So, Buck, you can tell from that first bite there, um, just his awareness, knowing exactly what was coming in that Super Bowl, telling Dexter Jackson to watch out for the pump fake, uh, which led to an interception there for Jackson. Uh, sometimes there's players that just seem like a natural progression, you know, with just their intelligence and the way they play on the field, not to mention um, having been a part of great teams and knowing what great defenses specifically look like. Um, I think John Lynch was a great fit here. Absolutely great fit. Didn't really know, obviously, because he, he's coming from the TV booth to jumping into the front office. So there was a huge learning curve. But here's what I will say about John, Lee, John Lynch and what I really like about what he did with the front office. In the front office, he went and got a lot of experience. He got guys who had 
done the job, guys who had done it. Martin May, who comes over and helps out. Adam Peters coming over from Denver. When I look at their pro department now, they have Rand Carthon. Uh, they have some other experienced guys kind of doing very, very critical jobs in the scouting department. And what Lynch has done is he's been able to be very, very uh, self-critical and understand his own strengths and weaknesses. He's kind of uh, in lockstep with Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan kind of sets the vision for how he wants the team to operate. But then John Lynch can kind of talk about like what players smell like, what they feel like, what it should be like based on his experience as a player and being around great organizations, first with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then with the Denver Broncos. I just believe all of it coming together has really helped the San Francisco 49ers build this team and a team that looks like it's built for the long haul. And the ownership group deserves a lot of credit for, one, making themselves be patient with this. Six-year deals for Shanahan and Lynch. They weren't able to pull the plug on the experiment early. They had to sit and wait for it to grow. And because they were forced to sit and wait, John Lynch and Cal Shanahan had the luxury of really being able to build this team in the image that they saw would be uh, best suited for long-term dominance and winning. It's all worked out, but I give John Lynch a ton of credit for being able to carry some of the experiences from the field into the front office and have success. Two things you said there um, that to me are interesting. Talk about the patience. Um, getting guys that are on the same page and then having patience, giving them those six-year deals to let this plan unfold. And I also think what you mentioned, Buck, talking about Martin Mayhew's presence there, Adam Peters, Rand Carthon, it, it's more of that baseball approach. In other words, John Lynch is humble enough to know what he doesn't know or still has to learn and grow in, in a new role for him, having not been in personnel. So to have a team of guys that can help you collectively make good decisions. John Lynch then being able to take all that information in and work with Kyle Shanahan to come up with the best decision, I think is the way to go. I, I think, look, you can look at Bill Belichick, and that is the one, mm -hmm. one example, one shining example of you could say, okay, that is a one-man band and he can do the whole thing. Uh, that is very rare and unusual. To me, I've been an advocate of this baseball approach where you have a five, six-man leadership team uh, Put all your strengths together, mm -hmm. cover up your weak, your weaknesses uh, collectively, and make the right decision. I think that's the best way moving forward. I think that's where football is a little bit behind, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I think it'll be interesting, and we'll talk about this in future podcasts about the kind of the baseball influence on what's beginning to happen in front offices. But yeah, I do believe it is kind of a collective, uh, a group of. Uh, big thinkers that are able to kind of sit and talk and, and hash out different ideas based on their experiences. Someone ultimately has to have the gavel and to make the decision. But as you and I know, DJ, when you sit in these rooms and if the person at the top has enough courage and confidence to allow others to speak, it allows you to uh, kind of have some interesting discussions that may let you think about situations and scenarios in a different, uh, in a different light. I think what John Lynch has assembled in San Francisco allows him to make really good decisions because he is kind of pushed and prodded with a bunch of different decision makers who are also well regarded in their own areas of expertise. All right, let's get to these coaches here because it's uh, definitely a uh, contrast there in age and experience, um, but both outstanding offensive-minded coaches. Uh, Andy Reid, when he was hired by the Kansas City Chiefs, was a big coup. He could have had any job he wanted that offseason. The Chiefs ended up getting him. Uh, and here's co-owner uh, Clark Hunt discussing why he hired Andy Reid. 
Well, when we went into the search process, we were looking for somebody uh, who had been a proven leader, um, somebody who had been part of a successful program, uh, somebody with integrity who would hold their players accountable. And really, Andy fits all those qualities and so many more. He's really the right person. And when he and I sat down last Wednesday uh, for our interview, it was pretty clear early on uh, that there was great chemistry and that it was going to be a good fit between the two of us. Well, Buck, that was uh, really kind of just a stroke of luck there for the Chiefs that, that they had Andy Reid available and they decided just to pounce on it right away. I want to say the Chargers might have had an opening that year as well. Uh, there was a, several openings where it looked like Andy Reid would be the uh, you know would be the number one candidate after all the success he had in Philadelphia. A mutual parting of ways there in Philly. Philly needed a fresh voice. Andy needed a new start, and man, uh, it worked out tremendously well for the Chiefs. It did work out very, very well. And my relationship with Andy Reid goes all the way back to my playing days with the Green Bay Packers in the mid-90s. Andy Reid was initially the tight end coach. Uh, for me, I was playing defense at the time. Andy Reid was responsible for running the scout team defense. So he would put the cards up. He was very, very meticulous and detailed and demanding in terms of what he wanted to present to the first team offense. It was a little surprising when, the win of Phil when he went to Philadelphia because he was hired as a head coach before he ever called plays with the Green Bay Packers. He sat at the knee of Mike Holmgren. He ran the quarterback room with Brett Favre and others, but his ability to kind of learn and do those things in Philadelphia really has made him one of the top coaches, not only in the league now, but he will be celebrated as one of the best coaches that we've seen in NFL history based on his accomplishments. In Kansas City, he was able to take a very, very successful blueprint in Philadelphia, replicated in Kansas City, while first bringing over Alex Smith, really changed the way we perceived Alex Smith to be in terms of how he played, elevated him. Then he gets the transcendent talent and Pat Mahomes, and away they go. But as a play caller, he's terrific, um, an innovator despite being older. And so that's why I think when we begin to look at head coaches and head coaching candidates, throw age out. I think you got to dig deeper and see how imaginative they are. Are they lifelong learners? And are they willing to be a little different when it comes to looking at different ways to really get their team up and going. Yeah, I heard this little video. I actually uh, retweeted it the other day. But John Maxwell, who's as good as it gets in the leadership space, had, had used this line. It was fantastic. It's like the, you either grow through life or, or you go through life. Like mm -hmm. we all go through life. Not everybody grows through life. And I think that's a compliment I'd love to pay Coach Reed is because he's somebody that never thinks he has it all figured out. He's constantly looking for what's next, what's new, talking to college coaches, bringing in different guys, looking at different schemes. Where is the game of football headed and being ahead of the curve? And that is something that's unusual for somebody with as much success as he's had to have the humility to say, okay, I need to learn more. I need to know what's next, and I need to constantly keep growing. And that's what he's done throughout his career. Absolutely. Uh, growth mindset, continue to take it to the next level, uh, looking for different ways to push the envelope when it comes to running his offense and then his team. And and so I, I give him a ton of credit because having sat there and watched, I knew how rigid Coach Holmgren was when it came to running an offense. Andy Reid has some of those core beliefs but he's also kind of opened it up. And when we see the way that the Kansas City Chiefs play, it's a mix of that old school West Coast offense with a lot of the new ideas that are really present in the lower levels. Give Andy Reid a lot of credit for being able to open his mind and continue to expand his playbook when there's so many different things that are going on that are really trendy in offensive football. No doubt. Uh, and we go to from Andy Reid, who um, 
Andy Reid at 61 years old to Kyle Shanahan at 40 years old. Kyle Shanahan, let's go back to the day February 6, 2017, one day after the Super Bowl. Uh, this was the day the San Francisco 49ers announced uh, Shanahan as their coach. Uh, here's a little nuggets here, some little, little, little inside look here at Kyle Shanahan. Guys like Harris Barton, Tom Rathman, Steve Young, um, Jerry Rice, just all these guys have really uh, they've been a big part of my life, even though I was only with those guys for three years. It's just those are the guys I looked up to and the guys I wanted to be. Um, had a hard time being them as a player, even though I tried my hardest. Um, it was much easier as a coach to be involved with this stuff. And uh, to be back to this, what I've always known the Niners to be, um, I can't wait to have the opportunity. And we owe it to the fans and everyone out here that together we, we bring it back to what it was. And I'm very confident we're going to do that. Buck, I, I would say the word genius is, uh, is overused in sports. But when you ask anybody that's played for Kyle Shanahan – um, their thoughts on him, that is the word that comes up more than any other. I mean, it's really fascinating to me to see how he's evolved as a play caller. Uh, DJ, I don't know if you had a chance to go through the Super Bowl research packet yet, but I, I saw something that stood out to me. Over the last, four, well, one, uh, over the last four years, he has taken his game up a notch in terms of pre-snap shifting and motioning. They up it by 5% each year. And in the last two years, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, they motion a shift prior to an offensive play on 70% of their plays a season ago and 79% of their plays this year. So before every play, there's some kind of shift motion that diverts the eyes of the defense. And then when you think about how simple their run game really is, you're talking about outside zone, a couple of gap schemes. He masked it beautifully with all of the motion. And so we talk about the genius of simplicity. It's something that people used to talk about with Steve Jobs and Apple. He is really an offensive genius by really taking something that looks very, very complex, but is really very, very simple. He's done a really great job with this offensive scheme. I think about him. I think about Christmas, Buck, and I think about he's giving you the same present but it's just different wrapping paper. Some's in a bag. Some of it is like a big box. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. There's a little box. It's the same thing, right? It's the, at the end of the day, the present is the same thing. It's all the it's all the wrapping paper and the bags and the tissue. He makes all that stuff kind of take all your attention away from the fact it's just the same plays his dad had been running for 30 years, man. It's the same tried and true formula that works. This zone scheme that they're so good at. Now you mix it in some of the traps and power scheme that they do in the run game, but it's all dressed up and gussied up by a by a bunch of motion. It's all wrapping paper. I mean, it's unbelievable to see it. I mean, it's it's unbelievable just what what they're able to do. And I think it's funny um, with his dad's scheme, having played against it. I mean, it was, it was pretty generic. You knew what was coming. You just couldn't stop TD coming downhill in that split zone and outside zone and the six core plays that they use. But imagine you being Kyle Shanahan and your dad is a, I mean, a highly regarded coach, but being able to take what your dad built as a foundation and even add more to it. Um, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable that he has been able to take his dad's initial scheme, go to Gary Kubiak, and then add his own pieces to it. He deserves a lot of credit because when I look at the San Francisco 49ers, I've never been more excited by watching a team run it on almost every down. What they did in the championship game against the Green Bay Packers, to me, was beautiful football, and it involved, what, eight passes? I, I just don't know if I ever could think of beautiful football not involving the passing game being featured prominently. What I'm hoping is that 
more owners will look and see, oh, man, there are creative ways to run the football and give more attention to guys that are in charge of run game stuff and kind of see the beauty that exists uh, within really creating a very, very dynamic running game. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch this Super Bowl, man. It's a, it's a fantastic matchup from organizations that have been built the right way. Uh, great coaching staff, star players all over the place. Uh, it should be a fantastic game. And we'll be right here um, to give you the, the feedback and our reaction to what we see next week on the podcast as well. Uh, we've got your mock draft uh, podcast coming up on Thursday, Buck. So uh, the, the mock draft is out there, nfl.com slash Bucky Brooks. You can find it. We're going to break the whole thing down on Thursday's episode. So be on the lookout out for that. Uh, remember, all of our videos, nfl.com slash mtsvideo, uh, youtube.com slash nflpodcast. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening to Move the Sticks, presented by DiGiorno. Stock up on DiGiorno Pizza for the big game. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at Let'sMakeAPlan.org.